Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Before I introduce my guests, I'd just like to introduce the topic we're going to talk about. We're going to talk with Mindy, and we'll talk more about who Mindy is, about the loss of her husband, Corey, two and a half years ago in the prime of his life at 35. Mindy at the time was expecting and now has her fourth child. Mindy's an active member of the church and is now dealing with something that's sort of the worst case scenario, losing her husband in the prime of his life and the prime of their family life in an accident. And so she's agreed to come on the podcast and just talk about this space that she's in. And our hope is that this honors her wonderful husband, Corey, who's gone. And um, his work, which we'll talk about in the military and also as a marriage and family therapist, and just the lessons that Mindy's learned about the of applying the gospel of Jesus Christ in real life to her family situation and, and how her testimony has actually deepened during this really difficult time. Mindy is joined. I mentioned Mindy's husband who's passed away is Corey. We are joined by Corey's older brother, Justin. Justin is the one that reached out to me and made this whole podcast possible. So you'll hear Justin and you'll hear Mindy. And Justin is Corey's older brother. But welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Um, I became aware of Corey, and I don't know if I've said your last name, Holmgren, mm-hmm. H-O-L-M-G-R-E-N. Let me, let's just first introduce, and Mindy, will you introduce yourself to our listeners, where you live, where you went to school, what your degree is in, and and just your family and anything else you want to just share as far as your introduction. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Murray, Utah, um, graduated from Murray High School, went to college at Utah State. That is where Corey and I met when we were both um, students at USU. We were living in Logan. We got married in 2006 um, and lived in Logan for a few years, moved to Tremonton for a few years, went to Murray for a couple of years, and then we bought a house in West Valley City about six years ago. So that is where we still are. Um, we have four kids, um, two boys and two girls, boy, girl, girl, boy, and um, they're fantastic kids. They're so great. Um, I graduated with a degree in sociology and a music minor from Utah State. Um, But once we started having kids, I have been a stay-at-home mom um, for the last, I guess, 13 years now with several different side hustles here and there. But um, Corey was a marriage and family therapist, and he also was a chaplain in the Utah Army National Guard. So I supported him in all of his endeavors, which, um, was a full-time job all on its own. So, um, we love the military and I love the army and I love being an army's an army wife. Thank you for that introduction. Justin, we you introduce yourself and just kind of your brother also at this in a second introduction. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so we, um, the Holmgrens are, um, we've been around in Tremont for well over 100 years. So born and raised in Tremont, Utah. Um, went to Bear River High School um, along with the rest of my siblings. So Corey went to Bear River. He was the middle child. Um, 
twin sisters at the very bottom and then an, another brother between Corey and myself. Um, graduated from Bear River High School, went on a mission, served a mission in France and Belgium way back in 1997 to 1999. Um, came home, got married. I've got three kids um, today. Um, and joined the military way back in 2002, actually, as an Air Force combat photographer. Wow. Um, was the job that I did. And uh, our, our middle brother, actually, Dallin, was the one that kind of um, started that they joined the military first and I, I followed and Corey followed mm -hmm. after me. And mm -hmm. um, so always kind of grateful to Dallin to, to make that choice because it really was um, a great experience for me. And I know it was for Corey and I know it was for Dallin too. So three brothers that served in the military and um, spent some time over in Iraq as a combat photographer, got out in 2006. I went to this, I went to school at the university of Utah in international studies um, I won't call it a useless degree, but it was, it's a piece of paper and it's something that I'm still passionate about today. Um, studied international studies and, uh, have worked mostly in cells my whole adult, adult career and, uh, working in the ski industry actually today is what I do in a sales role in the ski industry where, which puts me on the road a little bit, but, but I love, um, Corey was a middle child, um, from the time he was born, like the happiest, Genuinely, I, I mean it when I say it, the happiest person I, I think I've ever known in my life. I have this picture on my phone, a strange shot of him when he was probably like 10 or 11 years old. And he's ice blocking. If if anybody from Logan is listening, um, they, they ice block on Old Main Hill over there at the university. And I have this picture of him and he's just, I mean, beaming and smiling. And um, it, whether he was nine years old or 35 or a missionary, that, that was just... Corey's personality, just probably the happiest, most positive person you've ever met in your life. Um, and an example to all of us, you know, parents, older siblings, just one of the best humans I know to this day. Thank you for the introduction. And we said a prayer listeners as we started, not, we don't, spend a lot of time scripting these podcasts, but I think our hope is that this podcast honors Corey and his work will continue as you learn more about Corey and what he's done for other people as a way to honor Corey. I think this podcast, hopefully, if you're trying to help someone who's had sudden loss of a family member or even you yourself has lost a family member, we hope some of the things that Justin and Mindy will share because they're on this road will be helpful for you. I it's been helpful for me to listen even before we record it on some of the things that I can do when someone has a loss and some of the things to say or not to say, and just more education on how we can minister to people and lift their burdens. Um, I became aware of Corey listeners when we did a podcast episode 422 with Tate LeBaron. And Tate was is a really wonderful man who talked through about dealing with feelings of suicide as he struggled with lifelong trauma and a pornography addiction. And he um, just talked about his therapist and you could listen to Tate talk about Corey. It's episode 422. And he starts talking about his therapist about 26 minutes, but it's really in the 33 minute section where he circles back and, and you can just tell Tate's love for Corey and what Corey did for Tate. You know, he took him back to his 12-year-old self. He just did some wonderful things that somehow Corey picked up to provide healing and hope for people. Um, 
and I think that continues today. So this is a podcast to honor Corey and who he is and what he continues to do to bless people. Um, Mindy, just talk, introduce, just even though I don't like to start here, people are naturally curious how your husband died. He's 35 sure. years old. Mm-hmm. He's in great health. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, in the. this is just the wonderful years to be alive. Right, right. Shouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. Um, it's It's a little bit more of a longer story, but the short answer is that his heart stopped while he was swimming. He was swimming laps and his his heart stopped, so he drowned um, and was never able to be revived. And that's the short answer. Share with our listeners his experience with swimming and his lifelong. Yeah. It, was yeah. this a one-off <laughs> or is this a very normal thing? Right. He, he swam all through high school, really, really strong swimmer, played water polo. He also played water polo in college um, and was always really active. So he was in the army. He was a chaplain, but um, he still had to pass his, you know, physical exams and stuff. So he always enjoyed exercising, running, um, lifting weights, um, and keeping his body healthy. That was a love of his. Um, When he became a therapist after finishing school and stuff, it became a little bit harder to to make that time. And um, as with a lot of people, you're you're good for a period of time and then maybe something happens and you let your habits slide a little bit, but then you get back on and you you try again to take care of yourself. And so that was our reality, you know. There's a PT test coming up. Okay, you know, I'll <laughs> I'll run again for a little while and try to get better at that. And and we always tried to be more consistent. That was always one of our goals. But the honest truth is that it was a little more up and down. So he loved swimming. He loved exercising. And um, this was, yeah, not something that anyone expected. Thanks for just helping our listeners understand a little bit more of the story. We may circle back to that. Talk about him becoming a marriage and family therapist. When you were dating before you got married in 22006, was that something that was on both of your radar mats as his career? Or if not, how did that come about? Yeah, no. So when I met Corey, he was an Air Force ROTC cadet and um, was thinking about doing something in political science and international studies to be like his big brother Justin. And are you um, taller than Corey, Justin? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Just but trying. I'm the third shortest. Yes. Okay. Down is the tallest. Then my dad. Yep. Yep. And then me. Corey was and the then shortest. Corey was the shortest, but he was six foot, so he wasn't short. He wasn't short. Yeah. Big just family. by Holgren standards. <laughs> yes. So, um, so he was actually in the. Air Force ROTC. And um, I thought that was going to be our path. He was talking about maybe working for the Pentagon someday, things like that. Then um, we were taking an institute class together that very first semester. We got married September 1st. So school had been in for like a week and we were taking an institute class together that first semester. And our teacher was a chaplain. He was at the time retired, um, Chaplain Humphreys. And um, 
in the middle of his, um, it, the, the class was living the gospel in the military. So he would share stories about his work as a chaplain. And meanwhile, Corey was getting um, maybe pressured a little bit from all of his school teachers, the, the Air Force teachers, to kind of pick what he wanted to do in the Air Force. And um, everything Corey was kind of interested in, I was a little more reserved about that. He did like the action and whatever, but I was like, well, we're going to have a family someday. Like, let's not pick something where you're not going to come home from a deployment and and gone a lot when, when I'm, we're trying to raise kids and stuff. So we kind of went back and forth a little bit, just trying to come together on one thing that we could both agree on. And it was a little challenging and he was really kind of stressed about it. And there was one particular night where he was crying and I sat on his lap and I kind of was holding his head on my shoulder. And um, we lived in a mobile home trailer those first few years. And so I can still picture the tiny, tiny room we used as our office and um, sitting at this desk we bought at a thrift store. Um, and I just said, well, have you ever thought about being a chaplain? And I mean, the rest, that was it. So he decided he wanted to be a chaplain, which is kind of like a religious support in the military. It's not a specific religion, just general religious support. And then um, whatever your individual religion is as a, a chaplain, you can support soldiers further in that way. So you're not a Catholic chaplain or an LDS chaplain. You're more of a chaplain who is Catholic or a chaplain who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So um, he went back to his Air Force teachers. They said, well, the Air Force doesn't really need chaplains right now. And he was like, okay, no problem. I'll go join the Army. So he talked to the Army ROTC. They were like, yes, you can come in. Um, so he joined the National Guard. He enlisted as an, in the National Guard in December of 2006. We'd been married just a few months. Um, he enlisted as a chaplain's assistant. So until so the whole time he was doing his undergraduate degree, he was a chaplain's assistant. And then um, the Army requires a Master's of Divinity. So after he graduated with his bachelor's in religious studies, and he had a minor in Portuguese because he served a mission in Brazil, and then a, mi a minor in military science, um, he started his graduate program in doing... Um, a master's of divinity. And it was online. He started at a school in Texas. It was not a good fit. He didn't pass almost any of his classes that, that year. So almost nothing kept. He found out about a different school that a lot of the other chaplain candidates were going to. So he transferred over there, but since he didn't pass a lot, not a lot of credits transferred. So we almost just lost like a whole year. Um, so he started this new program. Um, it was a much better fit. Um, he moved along. Um, he got to a point in his in the military side where he needed to attend um, chaplain school. Just a, the, a military required school for all the people who are chaplain candidates. They need to go to chaplain school before they can pass the board to be an actual chaplain. So he goes to chaplain school. While he's there, he gets introduced to marriage and family therapy. That's a little bit of like a tiny part of what chaplains do is a lot of support for soldiers plus their families. There is some therapy involved in that they're just trying to be that good listening ear 
for people. And um, so he gets introduced to marriage and family therapy, learns really quick that he loves it and that he's kind of good at it just naturally. Mm -hmm. And then he found out that there was a marriage and family master's program at the same school. So he came back from chaplain school, which was like three months long. And that was, that was a hard three months for me with the kids at home. But he came back from that and he's like, Hey, I want to do two master's degrees on top of all these other things going on. So it kind of was a joint program, but you still graduate with two degrees. So he had a master's in divinity and a master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, He early on knew that he wanted to support um, individuals who were struggling with the pornography addiction. Um, He struggled with uh, his own pornography and masturbation addiction throughout his teenage years and a little bit in his early adulthood. And, um, knew that he wanted to go in that specific kind of a field. So um, when it came time to need an, find an internship in his, in his schooling, um, that was why we moved to Murray so that he could have an internship at Lifestar Network. Their headquarters are in, their Salt Lake headquarters are in Murray. And um, so he did his internship there and then was hired on as a therapist and, and that's what he was doing up until he died. How long was he was he there at Lifestar? Um, he, it would have been about five or six years, if I am doing the math right in my head really fast. Um, and did he sort of feel, did you feel like he found his home? Was he happy in that kind of work? He was happy, but I... I will also say that it was really taxing. He heard lots of hard stories and he was he was needing to support a lot of really hard things, which is why he also became um, a lover of Oreos. And on those hard days, he would call me and say, hey, I need to stop at the grocery store on the way home and get some Oreos. It's an Oreo day. And I'm like, okay, you do it, you go. And it's not just any Oreos. I'm just going to plug this in. Good. Regular chocolate and vanilla Oreo thins. And he had a specific way of eating them. You put the whole cookie in your mouth and then you take a sip of milk so that it gets all ooey and gooey inside your mouth without any crumbs in your milk. So if anyone's ever wondering the appropriate way to eat Oreos, that is it. I personally am a dipper. But Corey would never share his milk with me because then I would leave my Oreo crumbs in his milk. He was very rude that way. Did is this Oreo thing come to growing up or is this news to you, Justin? Well, it's it's not news to me anymore because now we make a pretty big deal of it. Yeah. On his birthday and stuff, we online on social media and stuff, um, we make a big deal of Oreo cookies and Oreo cookie sells in Northern Utah must just like skyrocket specifically on his birthday. January 11th. Yeah, January 11th. (laughs) Um, Oreo cookies. Yeah, that's just got to soar a little bit. Um, No, but not as a kid. I don't remember him being, but but I don't know when it started, but 
Probably. My parents didn't really buy that kind of stuff, though, for us growing up. So it must have been a thing later on that maybe in college he started doing it. But It really started when he became a therapist. But I have since joined. I, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more with Corey anymore. I, I've started doing that since. It's a great way to eat an Oreo, for and sure. And if you ever wondered <laughs> if God has a sense of humor, let me tell you this. So I was pregnant with our fourth child, Jack, when Corey died. National Oreo Cookie Day is March 6th. And guess what day Jack was born? No way. March 6th. True story. Honest. And I did, We. I'm literally in the labor and delivery room when our good, good friend who was going to take some birth pictures for us um, gets a text that today was National Oreo Day. And I was, we were all like, no way. I mean, so there's a giant love note from Corey on the day that our son was born. Wow. You know, it's for listeners that are earlier in their career, there's some lessons to be learned about, you know, the work that Corey ended up doing and your joint path to figure all that out. It's, I mean, I would guess Corey's 12 year old self or 16 year old self would never imagined that he would be doing a marriage, and that's not a degree that's in your family growing up. The military no. a little bit more, perhaps. but And agriculture, that's the family's background. Yeah. A chaplain in the military, mm-hmm. a divinity degree, a couple mm-hmm. master's degree, and then this, this really needed space that he was willing to step in. And as you kind of mentioned, which I think is a credit to both of you, just de-shaming some of his past, is just talking. He had, like many wonderful members of our faith, some experience in this area and then sort of became the wounded healer. Mm-hmm. He knew how to get others out of the space because he'd been there. And he then also had clinical skills and it sounds like some natural skills. So when I heard Tate talk about your husband, I just wondered how many hundreds and hundreds of other Tates are out there. Yeah. Talk about the feet when, when Corey died, talk about, you know, those kind of people that you didn't really know that kind of came through the woodwork and reached yeah. out to you and what that was like. Yeah. Um, the nature of both of his jobs yeah, were the- were private, right? He's talking with people all day long that he can never come home and tell me how <laughs> his day was. So I would get general stories like, oh, I've got this one client who's just really having a really hard time right now. Maybe sometimes I'd get tiny details, but not a lot, you know, not a lot. Or he'd come home and say, I just had the best session with this couple. They're a golden couple. They're dynamite. This individual, this guy, this girl, whatever. He worked with couples, groups, individuals, youth. Um, and, and I mean, both, both days are great. The really hard days and the really good days, they're both great. But, um, I never, I never knew. I never knew anything more. There were a small number of missionary, um, they're not farewells anymore, missionary speaking opportunities before they leave, um, where he had been working with that individual to help them get ready to go on their mission. And um, I went with him to a couple of them. He would always ask, can I bring my family or not. And I did not go with him on others. Um, and so I, I never, 
I couldn't really ask just how was your day? Tell me about your day. We, I would just get general. So I don't, I didn't know anything about his clients. I really didn't even know how many he saw. I didn't know anything about them. I knew he went to work for 12 hours a day and he came home tired. That's what I knew. And the, there have been so many, so many people that have reached out since he died. And I can't even tell you how much those stories mean to me, especially when they share memories of specific times where he worked with them, whether it was serious or maybe it was funny because he was really serious and really good at what he did, but he was really, really funny and goofy and yes, yes. Great smile, just big smile. And I miss his laugh like a lot. That's one of the things I miss a lot, his laugh and his hugs. Um, but I can't even tell you how important those stories are to me, especially when they're not ones that I knew about. I I can kind of remember a lot of Corey's memories, you know, sharing about this person or this thing that happened in high school or whatever, but I know nothing about what happened at work or in his chaplain office. So those people that come out, oh, I love it. And they have. I love it. They have, so for many sure. have come out. Yeah. Um, Corey died on a Saturday, on his dad's birthday, actually. Corey died on a Saturday, which was a really, really dark day. Going to bed Saturday night made no sense to me. And I didn't really sleep, of course, that night. All I could see was him under the water that I couldn't really close my eyes. But word started spreading. Um, and on Sunday, my home was filled with light and love. And I can only attest that that was probably from a lot of prayers. People started sharing on social media, sending me texts. It was all really overwhelming, and I, I don't think I responded to anybody. But we loved reading them. Mm-hmm. Justin was at my house, as well as tons of other family members, and we were all just in the living room. And that is when stories started pouring in. And I loved them. I got messages. We had people come over. Um, there were people who sent cards or dropped off cards at the... Um, viewing and and the funeral. And there were even some that wrote me beautiful letters and memories, but then did not with the nature of his therapy work. I mean, there's some vulnerability in someone coming out and saying, your husband was my therapist. It means I automatically know probably like why they were there, which means I might have a little bit of judgment. They would think, you know, on what maybe their past has been like or whatever. And that's okay if they're not ready to say more than that. That is totally fine. I really don't even care about that. But there were three or four notes that were signed with their initials or a Lifestar client or your forever friend, not ready to tell me their name, but wanting to share their story. And I love that too. I love that too. There was, Mindy was talking about Saturday it happened and Sunday, I mean, to me anyway, looking back, it's it's mostly a blur, but I remember a lot of really just special moments and, and things that happened. But I remember there specifically sitting there discussing what, I don't even know what we were talking about at the time, but family were there and friends were there. My dad was up at the hospital at Huntsman recovering still from, from this surgery of, of cancer and there was a knock at the door at Mindy's house 
And we just, it could have been anybody. And a person came to the door that we didn't recognize. Nobody recognized this person. A bigger guy, if I remember right, maybe bearded, um, who ended up telling us that he was a police officer. Um, so this, probably to anybody else, just this intimidating man knocked on the door. And he um, he came in, he said, I, I just felt like I needed to stop by and tell you that um, Corey was my therapist and that I was in the darkest moment of my life. I, I think maybe he was going through a divorce and he was struggling with who knows what else. He didn't tell us and he didn't need to tell us. And he sit that, sat there and cried. And we sat there and cried as he told us that Corey literally almost saved his life. It was that bad for him. And so we heard that and then we went to the viewing and hundreds and hundreds of, if not thousands of people came to the line and t told similar stories, people in the military. And I remember this. So he was a, he was a chaplain for 19 special forces group. This, um, and I remember this guy coming through and he said, Corey was my chaplain in 19 special forces group. And he said, I've known a lot of chaplains and they've all just mostly kind of brush them aside. You know, maybe they're just too religious or they're too, high and mighty, or they're maybe a little bit too judgmental. And he was like, Corey was just, Chaplain Holmgren just was not like that. He was, he was non-judgmental. He could be, I hope it's okay. He could be a little inappropriate sometimes if he needed to be, <laughs> um, you know, with a certain kind of a person and, and anybody in any kind of a special forces group, that's that guy maybe that yeah. you want to be a little bit inappropriate with. And I think they, he, he knew how to act no matter who he was around. And so if he needed to be a little bit inappropriate, nothing bad, but he would with these guys. And if he needed to act a certain way um, in front of clients, a teenage client with this client's parents that were just really struggling through this dark, hard moment um, where maybe the client was, like Mindy said, getting ready to go on a mission or something, he knew how to act around the parents because he, he probably could understand having gone through some of those same things as a teenager and young adult, um, what everybody was going through, you know, um, the parents and the, and the teenage kid. And, um, and we, I got a message a week ago on Twitter from somebody who just randomly asked if I was Corey Holmgren's brother and he was a client of Corey's and we're going to lunch. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how in his death, how many, how many people he brought together. I'm, I'm friends with people I'd never met in my whole life today, good friends with people I'd never met in my whole life because of Corey, which is pretty incredible, you know? Talk about the foundation that you put together yeah. with the web addresses and the purpose yeah. of the foundation. So um, I have spent a lot of time thinking about all of the clients Corey was working with at the time of his death. I mean, it was so hard for him to be ripped out of our lives at the blink of an eye for no apparent reason and nothing that we thought would happen or was expected. Um, but his clients, I mean, they've, they've, they've shared their stories, their heart, their soul, finally trusting a person, finally being brave enough or feeling like they could be brave enough to, to reach out to someone to get help that they needed or, or whatever it was. And 
then he got ripped out of their lives at the blink of an eye. And I've, I've thought a lot about the clients that he's left behind. And I would get just a little bit angry sometimes thinking about all the people that he could still help if he was still here and then not being able to do that anymore. And I've, I've spent a, a little bit of time being a tiny bit angry about that's good. Why, okay. why, why? Cause there's so many people that he could have kept helping. So one day I just, I had this idea to start a nonprofit organization and I kind of toyed around with it a little bit. I talked about it out loud to some friends and family members and the more I molded over in my head, I just kept writing down all of the ideas that I was having. What would we do? How, who would we help? Blah, 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 blah. I knew, I knew it needed to center around something that Corey would have done if he was still here. And um, we had our first um, fundraising event in January of 2020. And it was on Corey's birthday. And that felt like it couldn't have been more perfect. It was on his birthday. We had a water polo tournament and a silent auction. And it was so fun. And all these people were coming together. We did it at the same pool that he swam at all through high school up in Tremonton. It was so fun. It was so great. It was a fantastic start to this new nonprofit organization. And then when the pandemic hit, um, it kind of paused a lot, but we tried to move forward as, as much as we could. And, um, we started focusing on doing therapy scholarships. Um, we are focusing on married couples who have some kind of a sexual addiction and are willing to go to, um, Lifestar in Murray, um, as their, uh, starting out on this kind of new, new road uh, to find healing. Um, it felt right to go where Corey left off to start there. So that is where we are, have been focusing. Um, our first couple started our, the scholarship in, um, the summer of last summer. And, um, we pay for just about a year of of therapy. Um, the Lifestar program has three phases. We pay for, um, a couple to attend phase one, um, a hundred percent of phase one. We pay for half of phase two, which can take anywhere from 12 to 18 months, depending on, um, the speed of the individual, the speed of the group, um, how much homework you do, whatever traumas are, are there. So we pay for uh, one year, 12 months of phase two, half of it. And then we'll cover three individual sessions for each spouse and then three couple sessions um, as a couple. So um, that's, that's what our, that's one scholarship. So it's a little, a little over a year and our first couple is um, almost done. Wow. We, um, so including them, cause they're not quite finished yet. We have helped, um, three couples in the, that are going through right now, our scholarship program. Um, we have two individuals who have received a partial scholarship that are currently going through the program. 
And then we have one couple who has completed with the partial scholarship that they got as well. And that is what we're focusing on. And I would love someday to expand to other um, therapy programs or and maybe not even focusing on sexual addiction recovery. But right now, there is so much need just in that one tiny little niche that that's what we're doing. We're focusing on therapy scholarships at Lifestar. And it gives me just a, a tiny bit of, I don't know, hope maybe that I'm just have a little part in helping a, just a few people. It's nothing what Corey was doing, but it's just a little bit in trying to continue to help people to find healing so that they can reach their potential. I love that phrase you used, Mindy, go where Corey left off Mm. and continue his work Mm -hmm. and honor him in this way. Tell our listeners how to find the foundation. Yes. So um, our website is coreyholmgren.org, C-O-R-E-Y-H-O-L-M-G-R-E-N.O-R-G. And um, we, we had a really fantastic 5K fundraising event in the summer um, in July. It was, we called it the Healing 5K and we did that on purpose. Um, there's a path around the edge of the park that's right by um, the rec center that we were swimming at the day Corey died. And um, there's been a lot of healing that is needed to take place in myself and with our children. Um to feel like we can go back to that building. Um, We were all there together swimming that day. And um, there's been some PTSD for all of us from that day, but it's in our community. I'm not, we're not going anywhere. I don't want to not ever go to community events. There's a lot of fun things that happen right there. It wasn't a place that I wanted to never go again. I mean, at first I said that for sure. At first I was like, yeah, we're never We're never going back to that place. How could I ever do that again? Um, But it took a a little bit of time and some baby steps and some therapy. And um, my kids did swimming lessons there this summer. And I wanted to bring this community of people to the place. And there were some people there that never met Corey, but then there were a lot of people there who did know Corey. And I specifically wanted everyone to come together at a place where tragedy happened and all our lives were changed from it, but we can come together for healing together and we can support each other along the way. So it was it was a pretty fun, it was a pretty fun event. And I'm looking forward to being able to do it every summer. Um, that's the goal to keep this going. We'll link listeners to the foundation in our podcast and you'll see some great pictures of Corey um, and military and other, it just, as I've never met Corey, I feel like just seeing these pictures and hearing your story and hear Tate talk about him has given me an insight into Corey Talk about, um, you know, this is something obviously you never thought would happen. I assume it's kind of your worst nightmare. Um, You're an active member of the church. We often 
hear stories of somebody being spared or praying and fasting and someone living and hear your husband in the prime of his life in a safe location for him, you know, passes away. What, what has your testimony gotten weaker, stronger? Talk about your, just your testimony and however you want to define that. And this is kind of you also helping other people that may be walking a similar road. Um, Corey and I went to the temple the night before he died. Um, just a, a quick date night. We went with some friends. We had this goal to go often knowing that I was about to have a baby and it would be a little harder for several months after that. So we were trying to go as often as we could. And um, I don't... I don't think that that ended up being an accident at our last, our last night together was in the temple. And it became the foundation for rebuilding myself because I kind of died on January 19th too. And I had to learn who I was just me, not Corey's wife, which I am still Corey's wife, but but now he's not physically here and I needed to learn who I was, just me. And it really, it really comes down to the covenants that I have made with my Heavenly Father and the covenants that Corey and I made to each other. We we spend so much time teaching about how families can be together forever, teaching about the plan of salvation. And, and I have always believed that. And now is my opportunity to live it. And I, this doesn't, this, I don't know what's in my future. I don't, I couldn't tell you what I'm going to, where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing 20 years from now. But I can say that I believe in these covenants that we have made, and I think it all comes down to that, staying on the covenant path, staying as close as I can to my Savior, and having faith and trust that all of the things we learn about and teach others is going to come true because He is a loving Heavenly Father, and He wants us to be happy. Well, for me, being happy is with Corey. And I, I just have to hold on to the covenants that I have made. Um, that doesn't mean that I've never been angry. And it doesn't mean that my faith has never faltered because it 100% has. And there are times that haven't happened yet where my faith will falter in the future. But but that doesn't mean that it goes away completely. And my testimony has deepened. It has strengthened um, the plan of salvation is now real to me and the atonement is now real to me. It, um, 
until you actually use the atonement in your life, it's just kind of this abstract thing that I would learn about. Um, and even though I kind of understood that it wasn't just for repentance from sins, I've, I'd never really had like a, a reason to apply it so much as I have in the past two years. Um, it's been an opportunity for me to strengthen my own personal relationship with my Heavenly Father and my own personal relationship with my Savior, Jesus Christ. Because who else can hold me up when Corey's not there to hold me up, when I'm having those really hard nights? My room is empty, but it's not actually. And when I feel like I want to just give in and and let go of whatever I'm holding on to, you really, it really does seem possible that you could die from a broken heart. And until you have actually experienced that, you don't understand how that could be true. But there is a physical hurt that comes from grief. And that was totally new for me. And there have been many times I just wanted to give in to that. But I, I also know that I have kids to take care of. I have myself to take care of. And there are others on this earth that I am supposed to have experiences with. Me helping them, them helping me. My story isn't done yet. And honestly, Corey's story isn't done yet. And um, I have enjoyed having maybe a more personal reason to understand doctrines of the gospel um, in trying to study my scriptures more, in trying to um, study general conference talks more, because I have this new um, desire to learn all I can. What am I supposed to learn? Just teach me all that you can about the gospel and, and a little bit about what Corey may or may not be doing on the other side of the veil. And those are, I mean, who knows about any of that? We just don't know a lot and, and that's okay, but it's, but it's still kind of fun to learn about. And I like reading about different things so that I can just kind of like, well, that kind of feels good. Maybe he's doing something like that. It's all just gospel according to Mindy. It's just <laughs> in my brain trying to make sense a little bit of why did this have to happen? And there's, there's no answer to that question, but but I can have faith. I can have faith and I can trust in a heavenly father that I know loves me and I know that he's aware of me. And I know that he will help us in whatever our path is. It's not like he gave me this trial. Maybe he did. I don't know how it works. I don't know if I accepted this in the pre-mortal existence or not, but, but I know that he will help us. There've been way too many experiences that I, I, I know he's aware of us and I, and I know that he loves us. Such good insights. Talk to, if I'm in your ward or in your family and I want to do the right thing to help you, 
talk about questions I should ask, shouldn't ask. <laughs> talk about if you want me to talk about Corey or don't. Just you you probably have a lot of experience in this space and there's a lot of people that want to do the right thing. Talk to me and others <laughs> that want to do the right thing. Um, I think Justin would agree with this. We love talking about Corey. Yeah. And yes. anytime that someone brings him up, I love that. And I, I might cry when I talk about him, but hopefully the other person, we should maybe just all as a society be a little bit more accepting of people crying in public. And then maybe won't feel so like I'm not supposed to cry and quickly wipe, wipe these tears away from my face. Um, I might cry and I might not, but I love when people want to talk about him or ask me questions or have a random memory and send me a message about it. I've had a couple friends who Corey has made an appearance in their dreams and they send me a message about it. As simple as it sounds, it's not that insignificant to me because that is all I get right now. You know, he can be in my memories. I can, he, he, he can be around in other ways, but we don't really know it really. And, um, so I, I love when people want to talk about him. Um, it's, I think people are nervous to bring up maybe a loved one who has died because they're worried like, Oh, I, you know, I, I didn't reminded want to upset you. you or something. Yeah, or I didn't I reminded, want to say the wrong yeah, thing or yes. you're, you're reminded of him. And yeah, but the fact I, is we want to be reminded it's, of him. Well, and I didn't forget that he died. So like you're not you're not really reminding me that he died. Like yeah, I think about yeah. it all the time. So yeah. it's okay to bring him up. I, I think what I maybe what I want to be asked is there aren't a lot of things I think they if they're bringing Corey up specifically there aren't a lot of things that they can't say that are going to offend me or anything. Um, I liked um, I had some coworkers right after it happened ask me just to tell them about Corey. Like tell me about Corey and like, where do you want me to start? And you're going to have to tell me when to stop. Like, because that's, <laughs> he was such an amazing person. He is such an amazing person. And so, yeah, I, my advice is just bring it up. It's, it's okay. And rather than the like awkward, maybe there's nothing or there's a quick hug or just how are you? And that's okay too. How are you is okay too. But um, I think I would, I think most anybody else would be in the same boat. Like we want to talk about him and, and we're grateful when you do ask, it shows that you care. Um, it shows that you're thinking about us. I, I remember maybe like five or six days after it happened, getting a text from a friend who, uh, and it was totally okay, but, um, it was a coworker that was like, I just, I didn't know what to say. And I, I'm sorry, I haven't reached out. Um, sooner. And, and then she, she wrote this really just thoughtful note um, that uh, I so much appreciated. And so I think it's hard. Um, and that's maybe where she was, this coworker of mine was coming from. She didn't know what to say and she didn't know how to say it. Um, but she knew that she should say something. And the truth is any form of communication um, I think is okay. And people want to talk about their loved ones. They want to I, I think about him every day. You're not, like Mindy said, you're not going to remind me that he died. He died. We know that he died. And you're going to remind me that he lived. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me talk about him. I'm happy today, last week in 20 years, I'm going to be thinking about him every day and I'm going to want to talk about him every day. 
Um, and it's, yeah, I'm grateful for those moments myself. I think, um, I think it's kind of a natural tendency to try to, try to want to fix a situation with something that you say and you, you can't fix this. And there's nothing that a person can say that will fix it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like sometimes we're almost looking for what's, what's the catchphrase or what's the quick little thing that I can say that will make your pain go away and will make the situation better, but that doesn't exist. So put that out of your mind and instead focus on all you have to say is, I'm so sorry. You don't even have to say anything more than that or just sit with them, cry with them. Hugs. Hugs are great. Just sit in that space and be uncomfortable. It's okay for you to be uncomfortable a little bit. And if we feel like talking, let us talk. If we feel like crying, let us cry and know that you can't fix this. And I, and I know that's really hard because there's a lot of people that are fixers. They're, they're doers. Like if there's an emergency, what food do you need? I will make all the meals in the world. And that is good and needed, but that's not going to fix my broken heart. You can support us in that way. I didn't want to cook or clean. I still struggle with cooking and cleaning. And, and I was like a a cooker person. I'm, I'm like, I, That's it. yeah, cooker. a cooker person. <laughs> I liked, I, I mean, I, I think I still like cooking, but I don't like it as much, but I, I liked making lots of homemade things. And honestly, Corey loved it. And that was a little bit why I liked it so much. And I think I showed him love by doing this. And I think he showed me love back by like praising a little bit and he probably bragged. I, I'm sure there's some coworkers that would get really sick of how much he talked about. Mindy made this thing so good and Mindy made this thing so good. And I get uncomfortable when they tell me stuff like that because I don't like hearing about, so, I don't know, bragging about me like I'm so good, but I, I'm not, I'm just me. So I think that helping with those practical things if you can do that, that's good. And not even right away, like two years down the road, they still need help taking out the garbage and cooking yeah. and cleaning or whatever it is, pulling their weeds. Like the support shouldn't end because the funeral is over or because they've reached the year mark. That support is ongoing. I I was in bed. It was like a week ago. This just happened. And I, um, it, the oddest moments, he just pops into your mind and you start thinking about memories or old text messages or the last phone call you had with them or something like that. And these all were amazing experiences, the text messages and everything. And I, um, and I remember I I still have them today. I have the text messages from Corey and just to talk about the kind of amazing human being he was, he, he had texted me. It was probably a week or two before he passed away about, a client looking for a job and he thought that the company that I was working for at the time would be a great fit. And he said, can I, can you reach out to him or can he reach out to you? And I, I called him back and I was like, yeah, of course, have him reach out. It was right after Christmas, the beginning of January, Mm -hmm. I think is when it was. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking like lying in bed and, and I hadn't for a long time and crying on my own in bed, just having this, not a bad moment. It was a great moment because I was looking through pictures and I was, looking at text messages from people, you know, that had written me after he died and 
thinking about that text message specifically that he had sent me, the last text message that I have from him about one of his clients, um, th- those are those moments that I, I don't want to brag about it or anything, I, but I want to share them. Like, I want to share those moments with anybody that will listen, you know? And I, um, so going back to what what's okay to say and what's not okay to say, I, my advice is just ask about them specifically because that moment, that moment right there that I'm talking about, the text messages, I, I love sharing that story and I have a handful of times. It's just, it shares the kind of person that he was and how proud I am of him as an older brother of him. And, um, yeah, people should just open up. There's, there's nothing wrong with asking. Is This is really good content. Um, one of the side things that comes into my head is any of us that have strained family relationships. I think this is an invitation for all of us to improve those relationships. Absolutely. Your last interaction with your husband is the temple mm-hmm. and this family outing and your last interaction with your dear brother is positive. It, it was. And mm-hmm. in fact, it was, there was a text message and um, I love sharing this story too. If it's okay. I, um, I was driving to work in Ogden. I lived in Tremont and I called just, we talked once a week. We didn't talk all the time, but we talked once a week, usually at least through text messages. And I remember calling him just check in and say, hi. And I can't remember the specifics of the whole conversation, but I remember um, talking about my middle daughter, who's 16 now, um, and Corey mentioning just that he kind of saw some some similarities between him and my daughter, Marissa, um, and talking about how he thought that she would make like an incredible teacher, an incredible therapist, and just kind of praising my middle daughter, you know, and he praised all of my kids and he praised his, he praised everybody, but that specific moment he praised my middle daughter. And I just, and so that was last time, probably about a week before he died. That was the last conversation we had. And yeah, what, what an amazing like way to say goodbye, even though we didn't know we were saying goodbye, we were. um, But I mean, that, that specific part of that conversation will over always, always, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. And uh, yeah. And I think listeners, sometimes our last interaction isn't representative of the totality of our relationships. So sometimes I've met people that are in deep grief because that last communication, Yeah, every good relationship has some difficult communication. And if you've, if your last communication isn't like you two, but go back in the totality of that relationship and, and, and recognize most of those relationships are wonderful relationships and the totality is good. So even though you've, I think we'd all three of us agree that if the last interaction was actually not representative of your whole relationship, give yourself kindness that your departing family member has gotten over that and sees that your heart and don't take that as, don't let that add to your burden. I love a couple things you said, Vindy, about what people can do for you. And, um, Talk about the phrase that I might have given and and I won't, you know, and some might give, well, Corey was needed on the other side. Talk about how you feel about that phrase. Um, I think it might be true. I don't know. I don't know the plan. You know, I do believe that our Heavenly Father has a, 
a plan for all of us. Um, when you're in the thick of grief, though, that that line is not comforting. Why? Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like them telling me that I didn't need him then. Uh, we didn't need him here as my husband, as our kid's father. I mean, I was pregnant when he died. So how how can you tell me that I don't need him right now? That that doesn't make sense at all. Now I, I'm a I'm out of the thick of grief. I carry grief every day. My heart is still broken. But I can look at it with a little bit more logical mind because grief doesn't encompass my entire life as it used to. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it is. Maybe he was needed more on the other side. Maybe there's um maybe he could help more people in his current capacity than he could than you know, being on earth in a mortal sense. I don't no, I don't know how it all works. Um, but that's, but it's not a great phrase to say to someone when they have just lost a loved one. Um, similar phrases also are not helpful. Like, um, aren't we so blessed to have the plan of salvation or aren't we so grateful that you we can see him again. Like, you know, all of the, the different variations of the same thing, they're, maybe they're true, but they're not helpful because really all you need to say is, I'm so sorry this happened. I love you. And I love your, your spouse or whoever it was that they lost. And how can I support you right now? And they might not even actually be able to answer that question either. How I can, how can I support you? There's, there's like a fog that takes over your brain and it's different for everybody. And you, you don't really even know what you need, but you need everything at the same time. So that might be a situation where you just look around for something that you can do and just do it. Don't, don't ask if you can do it, just, just do it. So, um, really there's not a phrase that will fix anything. All you have to say is, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I prayed for you. I'm praying now for you. I'm so sorry this happened. Something like that. That's really helpful. And other guests have helped me understand it. One guest defined it as a platitude that is something that I would say that kind of makes me feel it's more for my benefit. Yes. Like, you know, Corey was needed on the other side. So I can sort of be okay with this and not sort of have to deal with the complexities Mm -hmm. of your situation or... Mm -hmm. Isn't it nice? We know the plan of salvation, and I and we all believe that mm-hmm. the plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. But I, it's really helpful that we have kind of a fix-it culture. We want to say the one thing that sort of solves this, but this is not solvable. This is yeah. not going to be solved in mortality. Corey yeah. is gone, right? And nothing. And I, I, this is a tender subject. I would even assume if you decide to remarry it sometime, this doesn't solve this. Corey is still gone. I'm leading. This is a leading question, which a good moderator wouldn't do. But I would think some people like me would think, well, once, you know, if Mindy can just get remarried, then she can kind of move on and this solves everything. Talk about if you're okay, that space. 
Um, I do have some widow friends who have gotten remarried, and they would agree with that, that it, it doesn't replace their grief. Um, I can't wrap my head around the possibility of ever being married to anyone else. Talk about what's on your finger. <laughs> I'm still wearing my wedding ring. It's a beautiful ring. Um, the first, Our first wedding anniversary after Corey died, I bought myself an anniversary band. Um, it's something that Corey and I had talked about at like someday, maybe the 20th or 25th or some kind of a, a milestone. We'd, we'd buy me an anniversary band for my ring. And I don't know why I thought about that. I think my mother-in-law has an anniversary band. Maybe she gave me the idea, Corey's mom, but, um, I just knew I wanted to still get that anniversary band. And so I, I had to get one custom made so that it would fit and it could be soldered together. And um, I, I am still wearing this proudly. I know that Corey isn't physically here and I, and I don't feel like I'm holding on to the past. I feel like I'm just keeping him in my heart enough to remember. This sounds really weird, but like sometimes it feels like it was a dream, not that he died, but that we even had time together. It feels like it was just a thing that happened and it the details are getting fuzzy. And so for now, it still feels right for me to remember that he lived and that we love each other. You're doing a great job, Mindy. <laughs> Uh, talk about you were there when Corey died and lots of people are present in an accident situation, parents with a child choking situation. There's all these different situations, somebody driving a car and um, somebody in their cars, you know, there's just lots of them that we all know about. And how do you get, what advice do you have? Because you may play in your mind, what could we have done different? What could I have done different? Um, what That sort of what-if cycle can be pretty difficult. Talk to others that are in that grief of not only losing a dear loved one, but also wondering if something they could have done differently would have resulted in a different outcome. That's a tender question. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah. Um, I... I have visited that space multiple times. Um, I for sure visited it right after Corey died. Um, we were all there swimming. I I was watching him swimming, not knowing that there was even a problem because there was no sign of such. And um, I... So... There were there were a whole bunch of really hard things that I had to deal with in those first six weeks after Corey died, before Jack was born. I had a, I had a whole bunch of um, fears, and I mean, it, it could be a whole nother episode. I was almost forced, in a good sense of the word, to deal with a lot of really negative emotions because Jack was coming, and I I needed to deliver this baby. And so I was, I was encouraged to start going to a therapist really early 
and probably earlier than I felt like I really would have done otherwise. But um, because postpartum depression is is such a, a a big thing, and me going through actual literal grief at the same time, there were a lot of people that were really nervous for my well-being and my capacity to be a mom. And um, so I was highly encouraged to start seeing a therapist right away so that a relationship could be there and helpful if I plummeted into the, a very deep end after Jack was born. So um, I kind of had stuff brought to the surface really early when I, I really would have rather not probably dealt with a lot at the very beginning like that. Um, so I, I for sure had some what ifs, like what could I have done? Was it my fault that this happened? Could I have stopped it right at the beginning? And then they were a little bit resolved through therapy. And then two days before Jack was born, um, it all resurfaced again. I didn't know Jack was going to be born in two days, but it all resurfaced again. I spent an entire day crying. And I think I probably got more priesthood blessings in that first year of Corey's death than maybe my entire life. I mean, I don't know. I haven't literally counted them, but there were a lot. And um, so it, it all came revisiting again. And um, then it got to another solvable, manageable state. And then Jack was born the next day. And then maybe about probably, I think it was January of the following year, um, we started going to a children's grief group. And um, the, the adults that come with the children and the children are separated and they're separated by ages. So um, I was just with adults and there was, there was one time when, um, it all kind of got brought up again. We have, they have various topics that we would kind of focus on for the month and just chat about it. It's not therapy. It's just group, group support. You could call it. And we talked about it again and it came up again because that is a common thing among, um, if you have lost a loved one that you were close to, maybe you were a caretaker, maybe you weren't, but, um, even, even some of the adults who, had their loved one die from cancer or something that was a little bit more, you know, sickness, yeah. long, you know, struggling that what did I give him cancer because of this, that, or the other, or could I have taken care of, of mm. this part of his life? And then he wouldn't have gotten cancer because he would have been healthier or something like that. So you, and it seems obvious to an outsider that there is, there's no way you could have done anything still in that moment as the wife or the husband or, or the mom or the dad or whatever it was, you still have those moments of this was all my fault. And I think that's just a part of grief. I, that is, that is just a side effect of grief. And I think it's probably likely that everyone has gone through that part of grief. If you have gone through a serious loss or something and, um, I think more often than not, you come on the other end of 
there really, there really wasn't anything and, and I didn't do anything wrong and I couldn't have done anything better because myself, me in that moment did the best they could in that moment. I can't go back to that moment with my knowledge of today, but that moment I did the best that I could. And so me in that moment deserves some forgiveness and grace because me in that moment did the best that they could. And and you could that. you could revisit that for anything, not even just grief. You could revisit yourself at any age in any situation. Any life choice. Anything, anything like and that, be like, yeah. well, if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have done that. But you didn't know what you know now in that moment. So you did the best you could. Yeah. In fact, that was something Corey said often. At any given moment, everybody is just doing the very best they can in that moment. And even if that person is throwing a tantrum, angry, yelling, whatever it is, that is still the best they can do in that moment because they don't know anything else. So give yourself some grace and some forgiveness because your loved one, I mean, if they're on the other side of the veil, they're they're not mad at you. They're Share not. more about that if you want to talk about those on the other side of the veil and how they feel about <laughs> you. So I... Um, I I have been to a space where I was just having a really hard time thinking positively about me as a wife. And was I even a good wife? And how could he have even loved me? Because all I could remember were the moments where I lost my temper. I was short with him. I was not patient. I complained. That's all. That's all I could remember. And it's like... Why, why, why could he have even loved me? How could we have even had this relationship? And then it's like that dreamy phase where it's like, was this even real? Was this fake? And I know that doesn't make sense, but those are literal actual thoughts that I have had. And um, I mean, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like there has got to be some kind of a greater um, kind of expanded knowledge and understanding when you die and you're on the other side of the veil. You're not perfected. It's not, it's not after the, re- it's not the millennium, you, you, you know, like we're not perfected beings. We can still make choices. We know we have to still be able to do that because as we do um, Temple work for those that have died, they can choose to accept or not still. So there's still choices available. You're not perfect. And so you could, you could go on and on about, well, you know, do we have feelings? Do we, do we feel sadness? Do it's not a perfected state. Like I think I used to picture, you know, they're not in pain anymore. Um, they're in a better place. Um, something like that. Well, it probably is a better place, but I don't know if they don't feel pain anymore. Maybe they don't feel physical pain, but I bet they do feel some spiritual pain. And I think that because of several blessings that have been given to me and my children, and um, there's, there's one particular, and I hope that my friend will be okay with me sharing this. I think that he will be, but he's been... Um, a really, really great friend to our family. Um, 
and has filled in with a lot of priesthood blessings and coming over to bless the sacrament when there was at-home church, things like that. Um, he was giving my kids a blessing. And if I remember right, it was around the six-month mark. And um, I just felt like we just needed a, a little boost to get over. It's been six months since dad died. And um, I have recorded the blessings just as a voice memo, just so that I could re-listen to them. And there have been several that I personally have gotten that I've um, written down in my journal so that I can go back and read them. And um, so this this was one of them. And so all the kids got a blessing and the, my older kids were like, oh, what about Jack? He needs a blessing too. He, you know, would have been four and a half, five months old. And I was like, sure, yeah, okay, he can have a blessing too. It's no big deal. It's not, you know, he maybe he doesn't need one, but it's fine. We'll give him a blessing too. So um, our our good friend went through the blessing and was just about ready to close it, um, and then and then stopped himself and said a phrase. Um, if I had known I was going to share this, I would have looked it up exactly, but said a phrase a little bit about how much Corey misses him. And it was so profound that our friend um, was quite overcome with tears because in that moment, he felt what Corey could feel. And it was a dad who misses his son. And that's just one time that that has happened. There have been others where through the priesthood or just through the spirit, um, we just get little glimpses of Corey being around and being aware of what's going on in our family, helping me still raise our kids together. Um, I feel like there's been times where I've been super inspired to say whatever it was that I said in that moment. And maybe, maybe that's just the priesthood power that I have as someone, as a woman who has made covenants. Maybe it was Corey working through the spirit to tell me what to say. It doesn't really matter the details. It matters that it happened and that it came from our heavenly father. Um, but how, I don't know, from that experience, it kind of is like, well, how could Corey miss Jack if he'd never been with him? So, you know, this is again, gospel according to Mindy. I don't know if the premortal existence in the spirit world is literally the same place or if they're two separate. I don't know. But I personally feel like there was at least a period of time when Corey and Jack were together before Jack was born. Otherwise, how could he miss him? And then, and then to have our our good friend Sam be be this this vessel in a moment, and um, all Sam wanted to do after that blessing was over was hold Jack. And so he sat in the rocking chair that I would sit in as I nursed all our babies. It's Grandma Larson's rocking chair. Mm -hmm. Corey's grandma's rocking chair that we got because we needed a rocking chair when I was pregnant with our oldest and 
I've spent many hours nursing and rocking all our babies in that rocking chair. And um, so Sam sat down holding Jack and rocking him and sobbing because Corey missed Jack. So, I mean, I don't have, I really, I don't have answers. I'm just making this up as I go, but I do have experiences that have strengthened my testimony and helped me know that Corey's gone, but he's not real far away. I joke sometimes, if you've ever watched Stranger Things, it's maybe the spirit world is like the upside down, where it's like literally right where you are, but it's like in another dimension. <laughs> I only I only watched part of Stranger Things because it's not as fun when you don't have your husband to like hug you when you're scared. So I stopped watching it, but um, I don't know. I don't I don't have the answers, but I just I think they're around. And I think that they know our heart more than we know our heart. And I think they've forgiven a lot in the long run. And he would have, he forgave here already. It's not that he needed yeah. to like go somewhere else to be able to forgive somebody because he had the kind of heart that he was going to forgive you no matter what. Anyway, yeah. you know, it's yeah. if he loves you and you have a relationship with him, he was the kind of person that was going to do that anyway. And obviously, He's doing that now too, you know, with maybe more understanding and more empathy and more love and compassion. But he had all those things on a higher level than most people have them here on earth anyway, Corey did. Yeah. Really good segments. <laughs> Just a good, oh, we can all feel the spirit of what you're sharing. You honor your good husband. <laughs> You're a good brother. You both have parents that are alive. There's so many other people that aren't represented in this podcast that love Corey. Yeah. Yeah. Co-workers, your children that aren't on the podcast right now, Jack, that had that blessing. I think of people on the other side of the veil, and I felt that they feel the same emotions we do. I feel God yeah. feels emotion. I don't yeah. think being perfected means you're emotionless or that. Mm -hmm. So I've felt I'm really comfortable with that Corey misses Jack and misses you, misses everybody, misses you, his mm -hmm. brother and his parents. And this is hard for him. Yeah. And I I don't know, but I would think he would rather be here. Yeah. <laughs> this is his eternal family. Mm -hmm. This is who he's going to spend eternity with. And I sometimes think of people that, aren't here anymore that would really love to be here. And I think we all agree the other side is better, but you're all here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and I, so if I asked you why, which I did before we went live, you kind of, enough. so this is why, you've kind of answered this already. What would your answer be? Yeah. I, I wish I had an answer for why. I wish it was easy enough to just ask a question like you would Siri and get a quick answer. A concrete. Concrete. Black hold and white. It. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Just to know. And that doesn't exist. So I can't answer that. 
I, I mean, it, I think that question could be asked about like everything happening in the world right now. You you look at what's happening in Afghanistan. I I lived in a war zone for yeah, your military family very sensitive to Afghanistan mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. enough to just see like a really a lot of hard, terrible things happen, you know, and and Corey was was one of those things for us specifically, but those kinds of things are happening every day. And I, I'm with Mandy. I'm not sure if there is a black and white answer to why it would have happened. We we all absolutely today, right now, would have him back for a gazillion reasons. You know, we just with the understanding that we know that he's not going to come back that we're not going to see him in this life anymore. But I'm, I just don't think there is a good answer for any of those questions, for any of the hard things that happen. I mean, life is just hard sometimes, you know, and, and this was just our piece of, in our family, us specifically, but those things are happening every day. And it's just life. I, Corey used to, Corey had this phrase and he, he told it to me and um, there is sacredness in suffering. Corey used to say, like suffering is hard and it sucks. Like this sucked. Mm-hmm. Right? That's an understatement. What happened mm-hmm. to us and what happened to Corey Mitty's kids? Like they were there and that sucks. But um, what a, like at 35 years old, what a meaningful and deep thing for him to, to think about and say there's sacredness in suffering. Like this is hard, but. I think for the most part, for for most of us, for family members and brothers and sisters and parents and cousins, um, it, it's made me more understanding. And it, you asked about Mindy's testimony. I, it's helped me grow my testimony for sure. I, I just can't imagine, after having experienced, I can't imagine not seeing him again. It just doesn't make any sense. I can't explain how it's going to happen. And what that all means, but I just can't imagine not giving him just the biggest bear hug in the world. Like at some point, whenever that is, you know? Um, but I think a lot about, and you probably do too, Mindy, that this, their sacredness and suffering, I, I'm, that was the kind of person he was. I, he thought on levels, I think different than almost anybody in the world thinks he, he was just a, a deep thinker and a different kind of a person. And, and I mean that in the most positive, positive way possible. That phrase, um, there is sacredness and suffering stemmed from him um, spending a lot of time studying the atonement and how the most sacred event in history was Christ suffering. And, and talk about sacred. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we are in our own suffering, that is a sacred moment because that's when we can truly break down the barriers and the walls and let God back in our heart. But generally that comes from suffering because the suffering is what has led us to let him in. And and he he would he would talk about that sacred space. When you hit rock bottom, that is a sacred space and you get to build up from there and you can do that by letting God back in. It's, it means being vulnerable. It means being honest maybe. Hmm. And it, and it means just letting yourself be loved 
and be loved by your creator who loves you more than anyone else. So it became, it became my motto. In fact, I put it on our headstone. There is sacredness in suffering. And it's a motto for the Corey Holmgren Memorial Fund, the nonprofit. There is sacredness in suffering. Really tender podcast. We could just go for, I've shared this story before and the closest I've got to sort of, you know, getting a little bit of insight into the the totality of the plan of salvation was when I gave a priesthood blessing to, I think it was an army member of our ward, a YSA, who had, in the course of his military service, knew that life had been taken. He knew that he didn't do anything wrong, and he knew he was on the government errand to do the right thing, but he was just torn up because he knew life had been taken, and perhaps women and children. And and the words in the blessing came to my mind that were just very unique to me. It says, no, no, no one's eternal possibilities have changed because of what happened. And certainly they're mortal. The realities of mortality significantly changed. And I don't want to have the one answer that maybe solves this, but it just gave me I, I think God's at the 100,000 foot level with his understanding, and I'm at about the 1,000 foot level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm seeing just a little bit of the plan, but that got me above the 1,000 foot level. And I just, you know, and that's probably my feeling about your family is mortality has changed, as you know. And there's nothing I could say that could somehow unchange this. And it would be a disservice for you if I said that. But I do really believe, like you're teaching us, Mindy, that the eternal plan for your family and the eternal possibilities, including your children and you and your husband together, haven't changed because of what you're talking about, the plan of salvation and your understanding. At the, We, we understand at some level, the 100,000-foot level, but you're having to put it in reality and put faith that once you know you know, at some point when you and Corey are reunited and you have that visit with Heavenly Father about what really happened there and and you see the full picture and see the impact that I have a feeling that you'll you'll be able to answer the why. But I think it's realistic that you don't answer the why because I think that would be, I just think that's a great answer that you can't answer that. Mm-hmm. It's just honest. It's yeah. the truth. And right. you're very right. good. Both of you are very good at that. It gives other people permission that to not have the answer, we are kind of an answer culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's okay just not to have answers yeah. and sit with people like you're inviting us to do in the complexity of their situation and just sit with them in that versus, you know, and I think that's very helpful. Yeah. Any final thoughts either of you would like to share? Um, I kept thinking as we were talking about him and I, you know, I, I'm the oldest and I, I, he was probably 13 or 14, I think when I left on my mission. Um, and then I came home and, you know, I, I started doing my own thing and I moved away and I lived out of the state for a really long time when I was in the military. And so I just, I wasn't around a lot, but we were, we've always been close. And, um, but I kept thinking, especially after he passed away of just how as many was talking about, he was trying to make all these decisions about, and I remember having these conversations, like I was in the military, what should I do? You know, he had a thousand ideas. 
about what he wanted to do and some were dangerous and some mm-hmm, weren't. And, mm-hmm. um, but as a young kid, I, you know, I can appreciate the fact that that kind of a, that sounded exciting. And, um, looking back on it now and knowing him like I did as a child and me being five years older than him, it doesn't surprise me at all that he chose the career path that he chose. Like, I, I just think, you know, you can look back and you can, you can see the kind of person he was as a kid and his positive demeanor and his um, just cheerfulness and willing to like, just help out anybody. Um, and I'm not at all surprised that he chose what he chose to do. Um, it's, he had the kind of personality to do it. He worked like crazy. He was the hardest work in the world. And it just makes all the sense in the world today to me that he did what he did. And like we said before, we're learning literally like four or five days ago, randomly on Twitter, a direct message on Twitter. Corey was my therapist. I can't even begin to tell you how much he helped me. And we're going to, this guy and I are going to go to lunch soon. You know, like these are the the relationships that Corey today still is bringing together. And it's just, I'm just grateful always I for him. He, there isn't a better man in the world. In I can opinion. I can say, well, I agree with that too. Yeah, so I figured. <laughs> um, I can I can say that I am grateful for some of the experiences that have happened since Corey died that really only happened because Corey died. Yeah. yeah. Um I can't say I'm grateful he died, but I can say I'm grateful for the the blessings and the some experiences that we have had since then. And um there are there are definitely people that I wouldn't know that have only come into my life because Corey died. There are financial blessings that have come into my life because Corey died. He was on active military duty um, that that day, and so I am able to still be a stay at home mom. Good. Um, that's not something I talk about very often because very often. For a young widow like me, that is not their story. There was no life insurance. There was no benefits. Um, nothing that they can that can help their situation. They're automatically plunged into having to find work or mm-hmm. or up their hours or whatever it is, and then they've got kids or whatever or no kids. I don't know, but. That's very, it's hard for me to talk about a little bit because I don't, I would give back everything if it meant that Corey could be here still. My house got remodeled. uh, We live in a fairly oldish house. I remodeled the whole thing because it needed to fit us and there were literally parts that were falling apart, but I would go back to that old house with ugly tile that I hated. And, but for whatever reason, that's not my story. All I can do is move forward from where I am. And try to make a a little bit of good in the world behind share my light maybe just a little bit to someone very often my light is dim 
but dim candles still can light other candles. So, um, dim candles can still light other candles. Put that on a t shirt, (laughs) it's pretty good. Needle point that that on a pillow. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'm, I think, I think if there's like one lesson that Corey could teach anybody, it would be that God loves you. You don't have to believe in him, but he loves you. You don't have to go to church. You he don't have you. to, you don't have to belong to any kind of religion. There is a God and he loves you just as you are in all the ups and downs and all the weaknesses and strengths and all of the mistakes and good decisions. He loves you. He and that say, will never stop. You say he loves you because he loves you. Like there isn't a reason he just loves you. You know, there's not, it, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. He just loves you because he loves you. You he's, can't he's, earn his love by doing better. He yeah. doesn't love you more. He doesn't love you less because yeah. you don't make right decisions. He preached he that just loves you. hard and a lot. Yes. So. That was a big thing for him. There's just a, a little plug for anyone. Just, just let him in. Just let him in. Thank you. I have to think, Corey, if he could talk right now, he'd tell you how much he loves you and how proud he is for the way you've lived your lives since he's left and and how you honor him. I also get the impression he would say you're, he's not that good. <laughs> and he, he would. Yes. And he would. He would. Tease he would. you and say, oh, mm-hmm. you're, this is kind of getting mm-hmm. a little carried <laughs> this away. Is, yes, over the he top. Would. We're mm-hmm. going over the top in his um, eyes right That's now. enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I just feel like he's aware of what you're doing and the way you honor his name and the way you keep his story going and the impact for good this is on your kids. They may listen to this. These podcasts don't sort of go away. <laughs> Little Jack and he was, I guess, two now. Yeah. Yep. You know, hearing these stories, it, he may hear this podcast at age 14 or 10 or 9 or 25. and. hmm so I think that you, the foundation you've done, being willing to talk about Corey, is healing to Corey. I think he feels the same emotions, and to know that he isn't forgotten, and that that blessing that I think he was a part of for Jack is this helps him know you haven't done anything to make him feel forgotten, but maybe that's a normal human motion. So for both of you, you know, Justin, his big brother physically that's taller and older a little and, bit <laughs> and he loves and Mindy and all your kids thank you for being on a podcast and the wonderful spirit that's here and honoring your good brother and husband Corey and this is Richard Osler signing off from another let me just give the name of the, the foundation it'll be in the podcast um, notes too it's C-O-R-E-Y H-O-L-M-G-R-E-N dot org so check out the foundation thank you listeners mm-hmm.